Well, good evening. Uh, I am not Travis. That's what Jim said. He's like, that ain't no Travis. I can hear him. It was under his breath, but I caught him. Uh, you're right. I, I am not Travis, and, and hopefully things will still go well. Um, I got a, a text from Travis a couple hours ago, and he is not feeling well. And that doesn't happen very often, but it does happen occasionally. And so uh, I've, had to, I've had to do it occasionally on a Wednesday night, just call in somebody and say, hey, could you cover class? Because I'm not making it today. And so uh, we're going to start with a prayer for Travis, and, and then we'll dive into uh, a little bit of a, hopefully a good lesson, something we can get something from, but uh, a uh, shortly prepared lesson. We'll just leave it at that, okay? So uh, let's, let's start with a prayer. Father, thank you for uh, our time together this evening. Thank you for community and fellowship and brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, Lord, we thank you for your servant, Travis. Uh, Father, we know he's not well this evening. We know his health is struggling. And uh, Father, we just pray that it's something simple, something that can be resolved in a couple of days. Uh, and in the meantime, Father, may he find rest. May he find peace. Uh, may he uh, relax a little bit and uh, recover and maybe come back with even more energy on the other side of this illness. Father, I know you're present with him. I know you're present with his children and his sweet wife uh, during this time as well, Father. Just um, be with him during his sickness and let him recover um, and allow us to give him the space and the time and the comfort to do so. Um, thank you so much in Christ's name. Amen. Um, just, just a side note, uh, sometimes I think it's okay to be sick. Uh, sometimes that's, for me anyway, that may be the only time where I slow down long enough. And I think Travis is a little bit like me in that way. I hope I'm not uh, speaking uh, out of turn, but uh, he tends to go pretty quick and pretty fast and pretty often. And uh, sometimes his, his body just says, okay, enough is enough, I need a break. And uh, I hope that he takes this opportunity to find some of that. So uh, just keep him in your prayers as, as we move on. Um, so tonight I want to share something with you that I've been processing. And um, hopefully it's something you'll find meaningful uh, as we process it together. Um, but let, let's just dive in and we're going to follow the text for a little bit. And hopefully it'll take us into a direction that we begin to understand and piece things together. Okay, so if it doesn't connect right away. Just be patient and hang in there. Like I said, this is, this is put together in a little bit of a hurry, trying to adjust, so just be generous this evening, okay? Um, when I say the word culture, okay, what comes to mind for us? When, you know, when we think of culture, okay? I'll give you just a minute with that. Usually when we think of culture, we think of a context and, and we usually go foreign culture, right? We almost put that word in front of it, foreign culture. Um, you know, we think about another country's uh, way of doing government, another country's way of dress, another country's festivals, another country's language, another country's law, another country's music. And we, we piece all that together and we say, that's their culture. Does that make sense? We, we think of that. If I were to say, well, let's discuss not their culture, but talk about our culture, we would probably piece some things together 
uh, similar to that. We, we take a look around. Well, this is our culture. This is how we dress. This is how we speak. This is how we engage each other. Handshakes are okay. Uh, the holy kiss, not, not as much here, okay. Uh, but we would find things unique to our culture, all right? And so that's kind of what's going on. Um, the, the second thing we would jump to, and it wouldn't take too much of a step, but if we were to watch news or get on social media, we would probably fairly quickly cross our arms and give the eye to the culture. You know, look at that culture, you know. And, and we would almost uh, intuitively begin to judge that culture, right? If you can back up just a few years, for some of you maybe 50, but if you can back up just a little bit, and think about how maybe your parents would look at your culture and they might just kind of, well, those kids these days. All the way back to the 50s and 60s. Can't believe they dress like that these days, you know? And so it's almost the responsibility of the previous generation to look down their noses at the current generation and say, wow, look at that. I'm one of those parents that's doing that. Leanne and I got married late, so... We are older and have younger children, so it's almost like we've skipped an additional generation. And so I'm not just one generation removed from my children. I'm two generations removed from their context. And I'm, I was like, I can't figure it out. Look at that culture. So I think we have a good idea as far as what culture is. Okay? I want us to go back, and I want us to look, if you've got your Bibles, go to Genesis chapter 1. Verse 26, you'll know the story. I think we've been in and out of it with Travis's teachings here lately. It's, it's nothing new. He says, then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, over all the creature, creatures that move along the ground. I want to argue tonight that one of the first things God created in the midst of the creation story, Genesis chapter 1, is He created culture. One of the first things He did was create man and woman. So He creates relationship, right? He creates relationship. He locates them in a special place. We'll call it the garden. Even within the garden, they have a specific dress code. I would call it the original non-dress code, if you know what I mean. But they dress a certain way. They behave a certain way. They've got a certain role to play, to subdue creation, to fill creation, to name the animals, to tend the garden, right? And to be co-rulers with the Father. And He creates a culture. What a beautiful culture. What a wonderful culture. All right? And unfortunately, we might call it a counter-culture. I mean, they've even got their own rules, right? Eat any fruit you want, just don't eat that one tree. So they've got rules, they've got dress, they've got location, they've got a language, they've got a ruler, the Father God, with them. All right, and so they have this microcosm of a culture, but he creates culture. And then, like so many other times, culture is created and then something comes in and says, I think I want to destroy a little bit of that culture. And evil comes into that culture. And then pretty soon they begin to navigate outside that culture when they go and decide to eat from the tree that's forbidden for them. 
And so we see the beginning of culture, the creation of culture, and then very quickly we see the crash of culture. If we fast forward just a little bit more, maybe you get to Genesis 12, verse 1. And I think we've reflected on this recently. The Lord said to Abraham, leave your country, your people, your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the people of the earth will be blessed through you. Guess what he did again? He created another culture. He took one family. He's going to relocate them. He's going to give them a God. He's going to give him a task. You're to to be a blessing to all. You will be my chosen people. And he creates a new culture that has a task, but to be a blessing to all the other cultures. I'm going to do something unique with Abraham and Sarah. And he creates another culture. Now, it's not long. We get the idea, okay? Things begin to go sideways. um, But we find the same scenario in the nation of Israel. You remember Moses coming out of Egypt? And he creates a new culture. He takes his chosen people. He gives them special laws and special celebrations and special ways to dress and special ways to uh, treat the foreigner and special ways to eat and even a special tabernacle and a special place to worship. And he creates a new culture. And this culture, every time he creates a culture, he's creating a culture with a purpose of... Now, originally... The original purpose was to be a blessing to all creation. Okay? That was Adam and Eve's role. But sin enters the picture, and that particular culture can no longer continue on that track. So God says, okay, but I created culture. So I want to redeem culture. And so he tries with Abraham. He says, Abraham, I'm going to create with you a covenant so that your family will become a blessing to all nations, all peoples, and we will redeem culture. And he reinstitutes this with the nation of Israel. Nation of Israel, you will be my people, I will be your God, and you will be a witness to the nations so that you will redeem culture. And then we fast forward a little bit, we get to Luke. If you have got your Bibles there, go ahead and take a look. And by the way, along the way, God is continuing to initiate culture. Eventually, for the nation of Israel, he gives them a kingdom. He gives them the promised land. And he continues to work with these people. And their goal and, is to go back and redeem culture. All right? And he gives them a, a new culture to do that with. But we'll, we'll talk about that a little more. We get to Luke chapter 4, verse 18. And the Spirit of the Lord, this is Christ. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of the sight of the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And so here's Jesus breaking into humanity's history again, okay? And he says, I'm going to create a new culture. A new culture where the poor are blessed and not oppressed where the hungry get fed, 
where the marginalized, and I want you to think, I know that's a, a word we don't always use, but the marginalized, the people living on the edge of existence. So not the core of Roman power. Not the core of the religious elite. But the widow who puts her little coin in the offering plate. For the woman at the well whose life is a train wreck. For the lepers that come. For the woman in bleeding. For the hungry. And he's ready to create yet a new culture. All right. If you go to Matthew chapter 25, uh, verse 31, when the Son of Man comes in all His glory and the angels with Him, He will sit on His throne in heavenly glory. And you know this story. And He's going to separate the sheep from the goats, right? And He's going to say, okay, you sheep, you're in because when I was naked, you clothed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me drink. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was in prison, you came and visited me. That's the culture Christ envisions and brings into humanity in Luke chapter 4. I have come to bring the kingdom of God to the poor. Now, that doesn't mean that he's not bringing the kingdom of God to the wealthy as well. Okay, it's not like he's like, I'm only, I'm only going to save those that are marginalized. That's not what he's, he's saying. That's not what I am saying, okay? But he realizes that the current culture accentuates those with power accentuates those with position, accentuates those with the ability to minimize those that don't. And he's saying, that's not the culture I want. We've got to flip the culture. So we have this kind of cultural cosmic battle going on between the Father and the brokenness of humanity. But he has come to usher into us a new culture. So hopefully you, you begin to see a little bit as far as how the Father views culture. His, it's his part of his created um, being, part of creation. He started this uh, when he created the earth and its inhabitants. He created a culture that was supposed to bring glory to him and was supposed to be a loving, selfless culture towards one another. And then that culture got sidetracked. But he is still about the redemption of redeeming culture. All right, so I want us to think about something just, just for a moment. If that is his mission, if that is what we call mission of God, okay, if that is God's image, right, that's us, and we are to partake in the mission of God, then we too are called into the redemption of our culture. Okay? Now, more often than not, I like the condemnation of our culture. I'm really good at pointing out what our culture's bad at, okay? That doesn't seem to motivate them, though, does it? Mm-mm-mm, I know where you're going, right? And that's not what Christ does. He enters into culture, and he says, okay, I'm, I'm going to make it a we culture. So instead of him from up above right? Standing on his throne room. I imagine for some reason Jesus got big biceps. I don't know why that is, but when he's here ready to smite, you know, that's not what he does. He comes in tabernacles. He resides among us. 
He sits with the poor, right? He has a meal and breaks bread with the sinners. He finds a rugged group of fishermen and a tax collector, a soon-to-be trader. And he resides among because he wants to transform the culture. It's not just I want to save Peter, but I want to redeem Peter to a redemptive culture. Often we want to redeem the person. We want to save the soul, but we return him back to the current culture. It's like me going into, let's say, um, I'll use an example. Um, the, the current sex slave trade, it's a $99 billion a year industry in the world, okay? And for me to engage one of the victims in that industry and say, hey, I'm here to save your soul. And I get them baptized, but I don't want to change their culture. I redeem the person without redeeming the context. Do you understand almost the harshness in that reality? And so sometimes we redeem the person, but we don't do what we're called to do, which is redeem the culture that they're forced to live out their new identity in. And this is, I think, where we go from mission of God to mission of the church. The mission of the church is to provide a new culture. We provide a peculiar culture. We are the light on the hill. We are the salt for the earth. We redeem the culture. So it's not just that we redeem the people in it. We have a love for humanity too, but we also have a love for God's creation. And he creates culture, and so I want to redeem culture as well. I don't want to just steal the one or two souls I get and leave the world a train wreck. Here, come with me, hide in the church. The world's going crazy, but let's join in that redemptive effort that God starts with Abraham, that he extends through Israel, and he brings it in himself and says, church, now go and do. Redeem culture. And so that's where I want us to play a little bit because I think you understand the idea of the redemption of culture or the, re- the redemption of culture. But let's look at maybe how we might look at that. And I'll give us a couple maybe examples of what we do. When I say redemption of culture and what I think we see in the text is what Christ brings to earth is a new culture. He had every right to condemn the current culture, right? to destroy it and start over. Rome had it wrong, okay? Even even the Hebrew nation, the Israel nation had gotten pretty crooked, okay? And it was Pharisee of Pharisee, Sadducee of Sadducee, and Lord, thank you for not making me like them, okay? And he said, that's not it, that's not it. So he provides a new culture, okay? Um, He provides a better storyline to buy into, So the thought of the day was Plato, Aristotle, Rome. And he says, let me tell you a new story. A story where you love your enemy. A story where you serve the least of these. 
A story where I, your rabbi, washes your feet. A story where men receive sight, where women are healed. That's a new story. And that's a much better story than what Caesar has to offer. That's how you transform a culture. If you think about Rome in its heyday, and that's when Christ arrived, right? The capital of Rome. And it was at its peak, and in three centuries, the state religion is Christianity. In 300 years, 12 guys, 12 apostles, go out into that culture, and they begin sharing the cultural identity of who Christ is and what it means to be in Christ. It's not just escaping from the flames, but it's living a new way. And this new way was very alluring to the world of Rome. They had never seen that. They had never seen generosity like that. They had never seen selflessness like that. They had never seen anybody go to the cross to die for a man that supposedly was raised from the dead. And that's what we had going on. So there's a new culture, a new, new way to engage it. So that's what we're called to do is to create this new narrative and create a, a more alluring, a more loving um, presentation to what life could be. This is what Christ has to offer. This is a new culture, okay? So I want us to talk about if that's what we see Christ doing, then how do we as a church begin to redeem our current culture? Um, I'll give you a, kind of a, a brief example of something I'm doing with some of my students. Um, so you know our, our students, these kids, these teenagers, their world revolves around social media, right? Does that surprise anybody? If you raise your hand and say, what's social media? We got to have a talk, okay? You have been removed from our culture, all right? So social media, that's their world. That's their context. And so what I've started doing with my students in the mornings when they come in, I allow them to use their phone. Now, the older part of me wants to say, put that phone up. This is math class. We don't have time for that, right? You know, any math teachers out there that would echo that, right? We're not going to have that in this class. But somebody that's trying to transform a culture says, let's take a part of culture and redeem it. So we first started with our phones. I said, okay, today all I want you to do is I want you to text a parent and tell them that you love them. You should have seen the text the parents sent back. What are you doing? <laughs> well, you got your phone out. I'm going to take that thing away when you get home. All right. Who made you do this? I mean, the parents were just as taken off guard as the kids were. I heart mom. I don't think we've ever done those keystrokes before. A couple days later, I said, bring your phones out. Okay, we got our phones out. I want you to love on a sibling. How many of you fought with a sibling this morning? Hands go up. I want, you to, I want you to love on your sibling. I want you to tell them how much they mean to you. It doesn't have to be mushy. Just, just send that message out. A few days later, get your phones out. Say, so I want you to tell somebody that you know that's suffering right now that you're going to pray for them today. It could be that they're sick. It could be a brother at home that's sick. It could be a teacher that we had one of our teachers break her arm the other day, you know. Um, but just tell somebody that you're engaging on their behalf for them. 
We did a few more in there, but the, the latest one, the one we did towards the end of last week, I said, how many of you have ever done anything wrong? And their hands go up. I said, what if we use social media to make amends right now? What if you just reach out to somebody that you know you've done something wrong against and just say, hey, I'm sorry I blew it today or I blew it yesterday and I'll blow it tomorrow and I'll probably blow it the day after that, but I'm sorry. And so we took something that culture owns, right? I mean, that's, that's the world's media. And I said, what if we redeem that? Now, by the way, I don't like social media. I don't like Facebook. I don't like Instagram. And you're like, what's the next word he's going to use? I don't know, right? I don't like any of those platforms, okay? I'm not a big fan of it. <clears throat> but I work with an audience that lives in that context. So I'm going to help them find a way to redeem their own culture as they move forward. Now, that's a better narrative. You mean I can use social media to love people? Yes. You mean I can use social media to encourage people? Absolutely. I have permission to do that. Yes. You have more than a permission. You have a mandate from God to transform your culture, to create a culture that is so alluring and so beautiful, other people on the outside will say, I don't know what's going on with you, but I want to be a part of whatever it is you're doing. That's new. That's different. That is a better story than what I'm living I'll share one more story. <clears throat> I read this in a book years ago. can't remember the book. Uh, the story goes like this. Um, husband and wife are raising kids. I, I want to say it's out in California. I don't remember the context, but probably. But um, the daughter, the older daughter, had started to navigate in a direction for her life that the, the parents were just worried about. If I say this, the term goth, does that, do you know what I mean? Goth is kind of a, a subculture within a culture, all right? Um, if you were to see it on social media or to go home and look it up, what you would find would be people with really, really dark makeup, everything black, trench coats, all of this. Uh, if you remember the shootings in Colorado, the, the boys that perforated that, they were goth. And so as a culture, we recoiled with that particular subculture and we said oh whatever you do don't allow your children to become goth or gothic okay so that that's what that is but his daughter had begun to navigate that way and pretty soon she brings home a boy and of course you know every daddy's nightmare and sure enough it's more of this goth more of this it looks like she's headed in the wrong direction and she's old enough that if we don't get a hold of her when she leaves the house, we probably won't. So dad goes home one day, he sells everything. And they go buy a piece of land in a third world country and start an orphanage. Within three months, the daughter has turned 180 degrees. The boyfriend, what's his name? I don't even remember. Goth, I'm not even sure the purpose. I'm not even sure why I'm trying to get people to look at me in this way. But she had changed the direction of her life. He had taken and he had provided a new storyline for her. She had a storyline. The world had given her a storyline. She's going to get attention. She's going to get affection. That's the trajectory of my life. And the father says, I have a new trajectory. A new trajectory that involves you loving others loving 
the marginalized in our community. And she changed the trajectory of her life because she now had a better narrative. She had a new story that she could be a part of. Now, as a father, I know exactly what would happen if Evelyn came home with that kind of scenario. You know, if she shows up Monday and she's dressed in black and she's got some, I think, guy on her arm, you know, and I'm like, I don't know what that is. First of all, we would have to bury something, okay? <laughs> then I would be incarcerated, all right? I'm, I'm joking, I, I wouldn't. But if I crossed my arms and just yelled at her culture, she would embrace it all the more, wouldn't she? Fine, Dad, I'll show you. Right? We know that. We know that, that vein, that thread that runs in all of us a little bit. You know, when we're put in a corner, we're like, yeah, I'll win this one. Especially, you know, if you're a teenager. Right? Of course, that wouldn't happen to any of us, right? We would navigate so much better. But I know exactly the results before that conversation would even begin. Or do I provide a better narrative for my daughter? Let me show you a better culture. So you can take that same thing and put it on a global scale. Right now, our world is struggling with its culture. We see that. I mean, we even cancel each other's culture. And that's how ridiculous we are. We're not showing anybody a new culture. We're just canceling it and pretending like it doesn't exist. And I think that's where Christ comes in. And he says, yes, I want you to redeem the individual. Absolutely. But if you redeem them to the same old culture, then what you'll find is very quickly they will lose their direction again. And so we want to redeem them to a new culture. So sometimes the better battle for us is how can I win this culture over with a new narrative? How do I find a way to redeem the arts, to redeem music, to redeem movies, to redeem whatever industry you're in? Can you do that? Can you provide a better narrative and a new culture for a world that's looking for a culture? Because I think we're asked to be part of that kingdom movement, that mission of God, where not only is God about the redemption of each and every one of us, but he's also about the redemption of his creation. I don't want to just save a person. I want to save humanity. I want to save and redeem the culture that humanity is swimming in. And so I think that might help us a little bit as we move forward. Um, we're called to do a lot of things, but mission of God work, aligning ourselves with God's already directed work or mode of operation is where we need to find ourselves. And if we know from the beginning he went after culture by providing a new culture, providing a new culture, providing a new culture. Hello, here's my bride. She will stay here with you. She is to be the hope of the future. And so we ask ourselves, as a church, sometimes we're very concerned with individuals, but are we concerned also with the culture around us? And that's, that's the difficult part. How do I find my foothold 
to provide a better narrative for culture. I, I found it using technology with a bunch of math students. Um, we talked about this in class this morning, and, and we had a group of, I don't know, 20-ish maybe, 20-ish, and everybody began to think about, wait a minute, I, here's, here's a chance for me to provide a change of culture in my context. You know, we've got teachers. It's like, I can change the culture in my classroom. I've got a police officer that realizes that how he addresses those that are struggling with addiction means I can change their culture. We've got people that work in the hospital that realize I can change the culture of the room that I'm working with and this one patient. Or maybe the whole hospital floor. And so they begin thinking about, I can change my culture. Or I can commit to a healthier culture within my context. So I hope that makes sense. Um, that's what I wanted to share with you tonight. I, I know that's, I hope it's more than interesting. I hope it's um, challenging. Nobody is without a culture. We all have a context of people that we associate with, a group. Could be our job, could be our friends, could be our families, could be our church, could be outside those doors. But finding a reason to join in God's mission to transform culture so that we're providing a healthy place for those that do come to know Christ. I think that's a mission we all need to be a part of. Uh, I'm going to pray over us, and then uh, you are invited to, to come forward if there's something you'd like to share, or if you need to make some decisions as we stand and sing. I think, where's my song leader? I lost him. There he is. Okay. Uh, Jim, I was looking at you next, okay? <laughs> it's like, if I can't find one, I got Jim. Uh, will you pray with me? Father, we are products of a culture, uh, and sometimes it's not the culture we made. We're just products of it. We, we live in America. We live uh, in abundance. We live uh, now with frustration and anger, and we live in uh, toxic uh, times. And, and Father, I know that you came to redeem all cultures. You, you wanted us to be a light to all the cities. And so, Father, as we challenge ourselves and look for ways to transform the culture around us, to get beyond the initial offense where we just yell and scream out of frustration. We know you're frustrated too, Father. But your answer to being frustrated was to send your son to the cross and allow him to wash the feet of those he was frustrated with. And so, Father, as we look at ourselves and say, are we willing to go to that level? Are we willing to sacrifice to transform our culture, to show a better culture, a better story, a better narrative that is nested in the reality of who you are and your son and who the spirit empowers us to be. And that's what we want, Father. That's our mission. That's joining you in your mission, the mission of God. Help us to find ways to reach our current culture and to provide such an alluring and loving and wonderful alternative story that they can't help but turn from the direction they're headed and embrace you. And all these things we ask in Christ's name. Amen.